0: LA mateys, our flag means death, season two is over, but we're just getting started. I'm denim-clad pirate Sarah Carradine, and I'm here with practical effect Brooklyn Zed. Hey Zed!
1: You know, it's really a shame that this is the episode that's not on video, because I did cover myself in glitter for this podcast.
0: Absolutely amazing. And five kilograms of glitter, Grace Leader, Hello Grace.
2: Hello, there's a reason why we're not allowed to be on video this week, because I wore my finest silk, and I don't own any silk. So, visualize visualize (laughs) that. that. That's why you're (laughs) covered in
1: five kilograms of glitter. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Uh Very Uh
2: strategic
0: glitter. I should have called you strategic Uh glitter. Uh
2: Uh-huh, yeah.
0: So, we have recapped Our Flag Means Death, Season 1, and Season 2 with full spoilers. You can watch the series on Max in the U.S. and Binge in Australia. Uh, Subscribe to our feed if you want to catch up with our coverage, postshowrecaps.com slash Our Flag Means Death. And in that feed you'll also find our interview last year with Vico Ortiz who plays Jim. And speaking of interviews, it's now our great pleasure to introduce the costume designer for Our Flag Means Death, an award winner and a countrywoman of mine, the astonishing Gypsy Taylor. Gypsy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me.
3: I'm so excited to be
0: here. Oh, we're we're just completely beside ourselves. We've been talking about you all through our recaps of season two. I don't know if your ears were burning, but Mm. I think you came up in in every episode um, because of the astonishing visual language of, of season two, you know, the darker tone than season one it was in the same world as season 1 but a but a turn through 180 degrees or maybe 70 degrees or we don't know how many degrees we're not pirates. I <laughs> don't well, well, even they had
2: compasses back then so <clears throat> yeah.
0: No. There you go. Just follow follow your nose. Follow your mm. ceramic nose towards the horizon. Uh, so some one of us that has been a professional pirate in their life said, "Do you want to kick off the questioning with your very a uh, opposite question
1: <laughs> sure. So, fortunately, we are talking to you just a few days after the SAG after strikes have ended here in the United States, where I am coming to you from. Um, and we've gotten to see the cast flooding social media with all of these great behind the scenes photos. And it's clear that there's so much love in this community of people making this show. Um, do you have any favorite moments or memories that you would like to share with everybody?
3: I, oh my goodness, that's a hard mm. question. There are I too bet. many Because
1: <laughs> I was out in
3: Auckland for six months and wow. I befriended all these new pirates and all this new family that I adore and respect and love. and uh, so there's just too many good times. I mean if you didn't ever hear us laughing, you knew something was wrong. We were <laughs> always always just having a really good time on this show. Um, I mean, one of my oh, there's too there's too many. Okay, <laughs> no, no, no. all right. I, I have to say, when we first heard Con sing live, oh my gosh, that might have been that brought a tear to everybody's eye. Uh, yeah. We I had heard rumors that he had a beautiful singing voice, and we knew, all knew the song. You know, Lavian Rose was chosen, and. But we, it, just nothing prepared us for it. When he was up there on the bow of the ship just singing this beautiful romantic song, uh, it just brought a tear to our eyes. So that was a really special moment. Uh, that's one of them. Another one was probably just more fits of laughter wheeling uh merman steed up into the water tank <laughs> with a team carrying his fins and you know, making sure that he was a comfortable merman. That was another he's just like, what is this job that I do? What what is it that we do for a living?
2: <laughs> I mean, I think really the Steed as the mer, the Merman was sort of the the moment that I think uh sort of that went pretty viral on the internet of the the um <laughs> Uh, the backstage footage, sort of uh, the behind the scenes footage of him just slapping mm-hmm. his, his tail on the ground. I saw that you had talked about um, I'm not sure if uh, everyone has read this, but um, the idea to make him orange comes from be- him being a little goldfish. I love that. You yeah. talk a little bit more about the choice to like how you designed um, the, mer- the Merman outfit. Oh, um, and also glitter. the fact that it's yeah, the fact that it was uh, practical effects and not VFX.
3: Yeah, I mean, practical all the way. Any ch- yes. any chance I get, I will. I love practical effects in camera, and it's uh, you know I was really lucky that we were able to go that route. The goldfish was funny, you know. It, it was Reese who is a, a beautiful gentleman with this beautiful blondie gingery hair, and Steve Bonnet, being the gentleman that he is, I just thought it was appropriate that it was just a sweet loving goldfish in golden tones and also goldfish are so um just ethereal and and light and magical and in uh we had you know we've got a big chinese story line throughout with captain Zheng. Uh, and there's some beautiful mythologies around what goldfish mean in Chinese culture as well about, mm. you know, love and eternity and all those delicious romantic things. But more than anything, it was just the innocence that that it brought. Uh, yeah, so that, that was where the goldfish came from. I may have also been slightly influenced okay. by uh, Daryl Hannah in Splash. Okay.
0: <laughs> as were we all at the time. Is that that yeah, image turned into my a- Yes, if you were a young woman or, or otherwise at the time, uh, very influential. You, you mentioned Captain Zheng and I wanted to ask you, um, with Madeline Sami's character, Archie with Zheng, with Zheng's fleet, these were all brand new characters to the world and so yeah. you got them sort of tabula rasa. How did you go about, uh, first let's start with Zheng, her amazing costumes
3: and her fleet of denim pirates? Yes. Well, Captain Jack. I did a bit of a deep dive research into who she was, you know, in history, and she was quite the badass and ran some amazing, you know, huge fleets of pirates. So I started there, and there was a historical etching of sort of her silhouette. Someone had done a painting of, of the actual historical figure. Uh, so we began there. And then I was speaking to Nancy Henner in Hair and Makeup and she had this idea about those wild ponytails and that sort of I was like, okay, the symmetry of that might become, you know, this beautiful decorative moment down the front of uh, her uniform and the fabrics, uh, fabrics that she's collected along the way along the Silk Road uh, because Captain Cheng, that was the the travels on the ships, was through the Silk Road. So they would pass through Morocco, Egypt, Middle East, all these just magical places where she might find fabric. So we opened up the floodgates there uh, as far as, like, texture. I thought blue was reminiscent of, you know, the ocean and, and when we think of navy and the navy ships and denims, uh, which, you know, came from all the sails. That sort of seemed appropriate, as well as the our sort of little indigo storyline that we had about it being like this precious substance uh, that she could get a hold of. So that's where that's where I began was sort of with the history of it, then looking at the uh, Chinese shapes because she is a Chinese pirate, uh, and creating a uniform that everybody could wear. It doesn't matter their racial profile; it would just be they are under the Zheng. You know uniform so it was that was what you got handed when you worked in you know your utilitarian pirate costume and it had to be uh very movable so they could do all their beautiful tai chi in the morning on the boat you know so we had some like beautiful wide leg pants and uh and it had to be also uh unisex to fit all of our genders that were on the boat so Uh, it was like a nice boxy shape that just looked really good on anybody that you put it on. So, yeah, that was sort of the process of inventing
1: it. I was going to say, as you brought up the, you know, kind of uniformity for Zheng's crew with all of their different genders and this new group of characters that we got to see, then in contrast, of course, one of our favourites here on the podcast is Vico Ortiz as Jim. Um, oh, yeah. who gets to have such a different look this season uh, as they really come into their own? Could you talk about that process and how that came to be?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, Jim in the first season is just so wonderful. and uh, I-, I wanted to make sure uh, we didn't lose too much of their essence. but at the same time, they've been at sea for three or four months with Blackbeard, who's a tyrant. And, you know, he's ruined them. He's caused quite a lot of trauma. He's also made them part of his gang. So he's sort of stripped them of everything that they were and he's just made them Blackbeard gang. Uh, So that's where I began. And because he sort of has that Mad Max leather thing going on, you know, we wanted to just keep that theme as part of like Blackbeard's gang look, uh, is that they'd all look like they were from Mad Max or the Warriors or something of that ilk, mm-hmm. and uh, just this badass gang of ratbags. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's where we began. And then with Jim in particular, um, I wanted to come up with something where we had the uh, the binder. It, it, the whole costume was built off the binder. So we came up with a fantastic pattern that Vico was so happy with and so comfortable in. And then I, from there, just built all these ropes that would have been sourced from the ship somewhere or sourced from, you know, netting from down under the under the boat, uh, fish netting and, and other types of rope and fish hooks and other pieces that were added to that. And so that gave it that texture and sort of built it into some sort of armour that they could fight in. So that's where that came from. And the pants were a direct rip-off of uh, Pete Burns had a beautiful pair of paper bag trousers that he used to perform <laughs> in. I just love the style and the cut of that. And, of course, we had to incorporate all of the knives. So we've we, there's a beautiful thigh, a beautiful leather thigh piece so, so they could have quick access to the three knives there. And then we had these sort of cuffs here that had other little sharp knives. And then all of that um, rope work was sort of base a bit on um that shibari japanese mm-hmm. S&M, uh rope work because i just thought we've got so much draped and it might be nice to have some more decorative pieces so up close that stuff is really really sexy
2: <laughs> that's amazing yeah. I- I feel like one of the things that really I think surprised us about this show. So when we started covering it in season one, we really didn't know what it was, other than that Taika Waititi and Riz Darby we were going to be in this pirate show. And I think yeah. that we sort of like fell in love with the idea as it sort of revealed itself to be this queer, you know, story, um, but also getting to play with historical you know, things, but also then add in this like modern sensibility to it. And I feel like it just kind of floats where it wants to be. If it wants to bring in, you know, somebody uh historical and, and use their name, it does that. But if it wants to play in a more modern space, it does that. How did you know you're talking about creating Jim's look and basing it off like a binder? And I feel like that's a very like m- you know, maybe I'm completely wrong that like that has been used for a long time, but it feels like a modern thing. How do you like balance um this idea that the show is a historical like comedy uh, a period piece with also this like it has this modern tone to it how do you balance that when you're creating the costumes for the characters uh,
3: the, well the balance of that is what gives the show its uniqueness you know I we've know. already broken the rules of, of right. yes this is an 18th century story and we are basing this on historical figures but we're going to tell a modern love story that could span all decades uh, you know so it wasn't even really a que- no one really questioned it because we're in a fantasy world to begin with right. so we could come up with these ideas and these influences and and everybody agreed that it was just a really unique take so we got to have a lot of fun in that aspect of of merging all the different eras and and giving it a specific look but i don't think it ever veered too much away from any of the stories we were trying to tell and I always managed to, uh, I would always bring it back to an 18th century silhouette. So right. even though it had some punk details or it might have safety pins or it might have a lace that was modern or whatever that fabric that it's made out of was, it would. we would always look at an 18th century pattern of what that might be. So for instance, with Archie's waistcoat, that's mm. a direct nod to The Warriors, which I mentioned before, right. one of my favourite films. But we based it on an eighteenth-century vest, so we kept oh. the same silhouette and the cut and the style, but just made it in, you know, red snakeskin and and punkified it a little bit. So we also had a, a sort of a Looney Tunes uh, theory is uh, uh-huh. rule, rule, you know, right. that was a follow through for the whole thing. We'd be you know, we'd be having very serious meetings, and uh, for instance, when Blackbeard loses his clothes over the side of the ship. Yes. I questioned how we saw him in that later on and, you, you know, my director, David Jenkins, he was like, well, he's Blackbeard, you know, and and it's, uh, he'd find them at the bottom of the ocean. That's and, right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and we're like, oh, yeah, okay, that's the Looney Tunes rule, you know. We're not telling a historical factual show. We get to, like, break the rules and be a big punk ourselves in that,
2: yeah. in that manner the messages in the bottle always end up in the right place. And a steed at the end of season one, like gets yeah. in a boat. He's like, I'm going to go find the boat. And he just finds the island where everybody's off. That's uh, the Looney Tunes uh, theory. There is, you that's go. Great. That's really yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. If you get flattened by something, you're alive right. the next morning. Yes. Or you,
2: <laughs> Nobody dies. Kind of
3: like, yeah. There was a moment when all of them, yeah, they leave Zhang's ship and they go back onto the re- revenge and they're all flying across the the ropes we had we actually built bags that they could have fitted their clothes into to carry to the next ship because i couldn't work out you know story-wise how did they get those next clothes where did they steal them and uh, or how did they make them overnight so we, we incorporated these bags of clothes and in the end you couldn't even see them but no one questioned it they just like <laughs> Is their new looks.
1: You can just <laughs> find them to. in the place that you threw them into the ocean. You can oh, just go yes. back there
3: and get them. Get back
1: oh, to the exact
3: spot. That?
0: Yeah. <laughs> and and Blackbeard's kind of Hessian onesie that he wears between throwing away his letters and going to get them back again so that, of course, you can get that yes. magnificent shot of him rising out of the sea. Oh, so yeah. exciting. What What Sorry, was but, the thought you.
3: process
0: on the sort of Hessian sacking for him?
3: So, so he'd lost everything. So we had to make it as simple as possible. And uh, I, I, on the morning of, I'd, I would listen on the way into work in the car, I'd listen to a pirate podcast. I think it was called the Pirate History Podcast. It was fantastic. And one episode was particularly about all the food that they kept under the boat. And so rice was very easy to keep because it lasted a long time. It was cheap. It fed you, it filled you up. So I was listening to that I got to work and I was like, rice sacks, let's make his onesie out of rice sacks. And then we invented sort of a rice sack logo that could have been picked up, again, somewhere on the Silk Road. We did like an Indian elephant on it and there's all these beautiful little details that hopefully some people see. (laughs) And then I was thinking, how how has he made this onesie? And uh, the story for that, you know, the thinking behind that was that we, John, had been had become quite the seamstress uh, on Zheng's ship because that was the department he was assigned to. So the thought process was we, John, sewn him something really simple with big stitches and just out of a couple of rice sacks. Uh, Jim might have, you know, done some little rope choker work and found a, a bell. The bell was this sweet little Chinese bell that was just delightful up close uh and that was it and then David Jenkins (laughs) said something funny to me one day he goes I just wanted to feel like he could look like Hannibal Lecter you know in that one Mm -hmm. kind of navy onesie so you're scared of him but he's got the cat collar so you're not (laughs) entirely you know (laughs) terrified but we wanted that feeling of stripping him of everything that he knew and all his toughness you know and just put him in sort of a baby rice
2: sack (laughs) <laughs> I, I think that it's, it's really, I think like a testament to, to you. And, and I think like, this is the type of stuff that I think like our listeners and, and you know, when we did the, we said we were going to be chatting with you, like people were so excited and have all of these, like such oh. little litty things that maybe I feel I'm like, Oh my gosh, did I not watch the show well enough? Cause all these people are looking at these things, but I love that you sort of have all of these explanations for, I feel like that's such a show, such a, like a love for, uh, your craft and, and and the way it fits into like storytelling on t- on television of like, yeah, like we we never see a scene where we, John is like s- sewing the thing, but the fact that you have that explanation for how uh, Ed gets his, you know, his onesie made is like, I think amazing. I think that's so cool. Thank you. I mean,
3: yeah, it just got, that, that just comes from a love of character and story yeah. and these scripts are so beautiful. And so wherever I could add a little, a little moment in there and pitch it to the writers. And and David, I would, you know, I would always take my opportunity to to say, oh, you know, what if, what if he learnt this? Uh, Wee John also had a beautiful um, <clears throat> little pin cushion, you know, where it seamstresses yes. and, and they'll have a little wrist pin cushion and there's those sweet ones that are like uh, almost like a little tomato surrounded by <laughs> mm-hmm. little, little uh-huh. china dolls. So I we made one. that.
1: I have we made
3: one. <laughs> oh, you have one? Are they divine? Yes. Yeah. So we made one for Wee John uh that is made out of Zheng's silk from her shirt, and then all the little dolls surrounding it are all wearing little Zheng uniforms as well. No, and it's That's just so the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. And <laughs> I, mean, I he, think Wee he, yeah. John is. is- Yes.
0: We John's such an incredible character, um, you mm-hmm. know, I've formed an emotional attachment to him through the through the two seasons. There's something, I mean, it's about the size and about the power that he could have, but then he sews and he thinks about people and he's thoughtful yeah. about what needs to happen between people. And I think you really, you know, the apotheosis of that is Calypso's birthday where yes. he decided to dress as Calypso mm-hmm. and, in fact, it, just by what he's doing, invites Izzy. Izzy perhaps might like to put on a little bit of a beat face. And then yeah. so then when Izzy sings, it seems to have come from sitting and watching the transformation that we, John, goes through. So yeah. could you talk generally about that party? Because what struck me was that they were all dressed up, but everything could have come from somewhere. For example, his gown could have come from the raid on the wedding and the, the fake flowers um, on uh, Roach's top were like, well, that's what he would do, like a, yeah. a limited costume but a nod towards the dress-up. How did you conceive that as a, as a whole of this party where they got everything from and, and how each of them still expressed their own character through what they were wearing?
3: Yeah, it's a good, great question. I mean, Calypso's party when we saw that in the script, I, myself and art department got very excited. We're like, exactly. "Oh, we get to do a party colors, and colours, <laughs> and so, so much fun and drag, like the best." Uh, so <laughs> we, I was walking through um, set deck one day, uh, seeing what they were doing for the floating market scene, which is prior to mm. Calypso's party, and they just had these abundance of bougainvilleas and um hibiscus flowers and all these tropical flowers we wanted it to look like sort of a could have been a balinese or vietnamese floating market and they had all this food watermelons and lemons and light so so much color and so much texture and my thinking was You know, they've all visited the floating market that day and they're pirates so they steal things. (laughs) So we came up with the concept that they'd just stolen all the flowers that they'd seen at the floating market that day. So the whole boat's decorated in that. And rather than change outfits or they would just sort of add uh, texture and elements and additions to to their already existing looks. So that came in the form of, yeah, roach with his hibiscuses and then uh, Frenchie put all the bougainvillea in his fro. And we had Archie had the tricorn hat that they'd stolen and put bougainvillea in the top of that. So we sort of spread the flowers out. And so when I had that moment, you know, we gave the instead of there were no roses at the floating market. So we did like a, a little red hibiscus that sort of emulated a rose to go on Izzy and added a little 18th century chain, you know, for, for detail um, so once we had that flower theme, we John and Drag was his own thing. Uh, so that whole concept came from the sea enchantress, uh, You know who who dons all the shiny shells instead of diamonds or um, anything sparkly that he would have found at at sea. So lots of power shells and uh, delicious abalone and all, the, all those gorgeous aquary colours. So it started with that shell and then um, I wanted to do sort of a nod to Babs Johnson uh, from one of my favourite films, Pink Flamingos, directed by John Waters, and emulate that silhouette of that red dress with the tulle. And, again, we, John, would have sewn this. Um, the fabric on that dress uh, would have been sort of like an old velvety, might have been a couch or something that was on the on the boat already, you know, that he's taken apart because it's all mouldy and a bit crusty, uh, but he's managed to shape it for himself. And the boa was all seaweed to sort of emulate that sea enchantress moment as well. And then also do a little nod to Ursula, who was also inspired by Babs Johnson. So it was like a whole full circle moment. They were my inspiration. Is
2: anything left in your house, or does this everything get incorporated into costumes? I, I feel like you're like mm, that couch I bought actually could make a dress, you know.
3: My favorite thing to do—it's like that <laughs> Halloween costume aesthetic. You're just like, yeah. what can I make out of yeah. three spatulas and a curtain, you know? <laughs>
0: Did you see any uh, Halloween costumes inspired by your designs? Because I know that's your dream.
3: Yes, I got tagged in so many wonderful costumes and I love it so much. It's just my dream come true to be able to design costumes that are then turned into cosplay and Halloween costumes. That's like the greatest compliment.
1: I love hearing, you know, I work in theater. And so we will go like shopping for ideas by seeing other art. But because a TV set is so expansive and you have so many places that you get to go over the course of the season, you got to go shopping for ideas within the world of the show to find yeah. the costumes and the decorations for this party. And that's just so exciting to hear
3: about. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's such a beautiful scene, isn't it? yeah the
2: fact that you were like there weren't any roses at the market so we couldn't put a rose on con is like uh, again amazing because like i feel like if if i got hired i'd be like of course we put a rose on why wouldn't put a rose but you're like no there were no roses at the market um can you talk about the i like because you talked about one of your favorite moments being con o'neill um singing of course and so um like, did you know that moment was happening before you designed the costume? But did you feel extra pressure knowing like, oh my gosh, Conor O'Neill's gonna sing this beautiful song and I have to put him in an outfit that like matches like the, you know, the beauty of his, I think his costume is amazing. Obviously, Sarah yeah. talked about the fact that he's inspired by uh, Wee John to, to beat his face a little bit. But um, it's such a, it's, yeah. I mean, that moment is, I think my favorite moment, maybe over the course of two shows. And I think oh. it's it's both that he he, it's the way he's expressing himself both physically, but also, uh, yeah, as he's singing. Yeah.
3: yeah, I mean, we also we. I mean, we never changed Izzy. He's a very uh, sophisticated, elegant gentleman pirate as well, albeit a badass. Uh, but he's very sentimental, and and he takes care of himself. So we never really updated his costume. We love. I loved what was done. He in did get one. a new
2: leg and he got the leg
3: <laughs> and he did get a he did get an additional belt to hold a sword. Okay, so there okay. were a few little things but uh he was he was so sentimental he wanted to make sure he kept the one glove and yeah. he made sure that the tie was he tied his tie every day oh. to to you know because it was sort of like his little ritual you, you know so he had a lot of things like that that we never really wanted to mess with that much so that's why I didn't give him a costume per se in calypso it was just that one sweet little elegant moment of the hibiscus and the chain and then the makeup and the hair was all nancy henna and her team creating absolute magic so can you
0: talk a little about your collaboration with nancy and the makeup team and the hair people is it a,
3: a one first and then the
0: other or is it much more a network backwards and forwards
3: Oh, very much a network. Uh, she's a fantastic collaborator. Whenever I had an idea, I would run to her and be like, what if we did this, you know, and we'd kind of back and forth a bit. on, And she did the same, like with the Zhang Pigtails or... Or she'd find a reference picture and sort of say, I'm thinking like, you know, with Jim, let's just like shave this bit. And so the minute she came up with that, I was like, oh, great. Well, I'm going to do like a feature earring because Mm. now that you've exposed all of that, I can do this. And so we were just constantly back and forth. And same with Ra Vincent, the production designer. We had the same relationship with him Uh, where we just share ideas constantly. We're all under the same roof in Auckland, which was really helpful as well. So you could sort of run to each other's rooms and show pictures and get all excited and, you know, everyone was really keen to hear each other's ideas. So it was a fantastic collaboration. And that doesn't always happen on productions. Sometimes we get so busy that we We don't often like cross check or, you know, everybody's got their clear brief and they just get on with the job. But this was a very much um, just an exciting process, which is really wonderful. And I love working that way.
1: I imagine a big part of that collaboration too comes into the tattoo design as pirates, yeah. of course, are want to have lots of tattoos and obviously some of them are very particularly prominent for certain characters. Yes. Uh, did, do? Are you working with the organic tattoos of any of the actors? How does the design process for, for the characters work for those?
3: Most of the time that falls into Nancy's world uh, okay. But there was one instance, which was with beautiful Fang. Uh, I wanted to just lose his shirt. I just thought he looked better shirtless. <laughs>
2: uh-huh. And
1: <laughs> I wanted to not yeah. design a shirt. Take it away. Yes. I,
3: just to, I just wanted to expose all of David Farnay's beautiful, beautiful body. <laughs> mm-hmm. And 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 I I sort of shrunk his little leather vest from season one as well. I, I cropped it a bit more. Uh, <laughs> 'Cause leather shrinks at sea, you know. So I just I just wanted to sexify it a little bit. And then I added all these sperm whale teeth. So once I'd taken his shirt away and added all his teeth and shortened the jacket, there was a lot of skin exposed. And Nancy sort of saw, you know, she's like, Oh yeah, do we have time to like cover him fully in tattoos? And once we'd worked it all out she just went crazy and did the most amazing designs. And they were all sort of in a Samoan world of, or, and Maori inspired, you know, like David Fane's background. Uh, so it made sense on his body. And they were just beautiful and accentuated all the good parts, like all these like giant arm tattoos and across his belly. And I think David's actually gone, gotten Nancy's design yeah, actually Nancy. tattooed. Belly, which he, he is has now problem.
0: that shoulder, that shoulder leaf, um, or the, the front beautiful. the pectoral yeah. leaf.
3: I yeah. noticed, yeah. um, on his Insta that he's done that, so I thought, yeah. Oh, That's influence! Nice. I know. And then, uh, the, yeah. again, I just, you know, I said to Nancy, I'm going to have this sleeveless vest and these sort of, you know, leather wrist, uh, elements, and wouldn't you look badass covered in tattoos? And again, you know, we just kind of collaborate. Who else did we give tattoos to? Steed this, hasn't got
0: one the, yet. S- snake, <laughs> the snake cult that that Archie reveals at one point uh, that 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 she's oh, yeah. in. I mean, there was, she was wearing a snakeskin vest, and there were snakes in the tattoos. I mean the. The integration of the story and the emotionality and the visuals, I think, is one of the things that that we kept talking about uh, as we watched. Um, oh, both as sort of fans, we just really enjoyed it, and then as critics, the richness of being able to dive into a text and a visual language and acting that all that all just you know wove together. And what you're describing yeah. as a working uh, method. It, it just it just play, pays huge dividends in the in the product, I think. Product. Oh, that makes the show. Uh, yeah.
3: That's wonderful. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's really important attention to detail for me. Uh, I just, as a, such a huge fan of, of production design and costume design, I'm always looking at the detail. So when that thought is put into it, uh, I really notice it. So I like to do the same thing with my designs. The... Um, Oh, you said something interesting about the I lost
2: my train of thought. <laughs> I you know, I just one thing I would say. That's I amazing. I think that's exciting. I think you I think as somebody who maybe like doesn't have as much of an eye for it, I I it's it's not that I notice it super but when it's not there you notice that it's not there so i think when you fill out the world the world in such a way that me kind of like the casual person watching the show is like this is amazing it it feels visually like it's like you know i'm watching you know so much or so much happening um it's so fulfilling um as opposed to a show where it's maybe not there is where i'm like there's something missing but i i couldn't tell you what it is you know
3: yeah. yeah, we're there to tell that story. But it all comes from the scripts, you know. Right. That stuff jumps off the page to me. So I I get the scripts first and I read about the, her cutting herself out of a snake and what a great party that was. And so instantly I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, so she's got to be wearing snake skin because she's obviously killed that snake and made a vest out of it. Or, you know, I get these little moments or like Anne Bonnie with the being an antique dealer. I was like, mm-hmm. great, I can now introduce all these antique necklaces and and, you know so the script inspires everything that i do obviously and um wherever i can like highlight those moments visually that's one of my favorite things to do
0: i think for me one of the one of the great parts of your design and such a great set piece is when our friends are all in the british naval uniforms the mariners uniforms now Uniform means all the same, but what you hmm. did with them is you said, Well, Black Pete never wears sleeves. So he's gonna get that jacket and he's gonna rip the sleeves out. So he's in the that's uniform right. but with the rips. The ripped sleeves. Up. Yeah. Zheng's <laughs> gonna get style hers up, you know, and so on. And I just I just think that's such a uh, tribute to to your work and the actors' work that there is such an individuality. So they're all screaming down the beach in a uniform, and not one of them looks the same. It's uh, yeah, I just think right. it's fantastic.
3: Thank you. I did put yeah. a lot of thought into that scene, particularly because it's a quick moment too, where they mm-hmm. steal the uniforms uh, in the in the in the bar after they poison everybody. So. You know, some people who are very organised, like Zheng or uh, Spanish Jackie, have managed to, like, get the whole thing and put it on. But, yeah, you might just have Pete go, oh, I'm just going to grab that, rip the sleeves off, I'm good to go, chuck a hat on, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Or, like, David uh, Fang with his, he's just grabbed one of the sailors' T-shirts and just pulled it on really tight and all the sperm whale teeth have just pierced through. You know, yeah. So I like adding those little story moments to make it feel a little bit realistic and a little bit loony too. Mm.
0: So good. And so I think so you're good. assisting the actors in it as well because you're giving them yeah. a very thoughtful, detailed, you know, lived in world yeah. that that supports their work. You know, it's the backwards and forwards we were talking That's about. That's right. Yeah.
3: Like I had to I couldn't cover up Swede's crop top. He had to oh have that Oh t-shirt. my God. He looks so I good. want that
0: T shirt. <laughs> I want Spanish Jackie's tavern t-shirt.
3: Yes, we uh, there's a that was a very fun that the way that came about was very funny because in the scene in the bar when they're all back working at Jackie's they're trying to make some money and they're selling off pirate paraphernalia so they're selling planks of wood to kind of like revel in Steed's success Mm. of becoming Mm -hmm. a famous pirate so one of those things was I sort of invented this like they were selling T-shirts and tote bags. Like you would go to a terrible Florida, you know, theme park and come away with a awful T-shirt. <laughs> so they were, that was the idea where, so where Art Sweet's T-shirt came from. But we really only see it on him. At, there was a scene where we had many people wearing them and all carrying the tote bags, which was very, <laughs> very funny. So but it made no sense. It was just silly and,
2: and hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, we got a question from uh, our Flag Means Death fan crew on Twitter, which I really Ooh, love. Right, and is there and you've you've actually mentioned a few already? I feel like your attention to detail has like you know you're you've been talking about some of, you know um, uh, we John's little little pincushion. Uh, is there any detail from the show that you think like the fans potentially like, haven't noticed that is a particular favorite of yours, like a, a minor detail? oh mm, well
3: what's yeah. wonderful I and mean, it actually surprised me is how much the fans I know. really I know. really hone in on the details and i'm so glad i put some of it there because i know I, yeah, yeah <laughs> you guys are really stunning. <laughs> yeah
2: they love this show I mean, we love the show people really I love the
3: show i just had no idea i've not been on a job before that, that, that with this level of excitement about the it's details it's really special it's like it warms my heart so much. I get so excited when I see all the fan art and everything online. But um, let me think. Oh, there are there's so many secrets. There was a quite a <laughs> there was quite a funny one with uh Ricky Baines uh, when he's in his military look. Originally, mm-hmm. uh, the art department had some flags made, and instead of him having like this manly crest that was all you know tough and mean they just put like a little squirrel and I just thought that was the funniest <laughs> thing I'd ever seen. And so if you zoom in really close the Ricky Baines's uh his crest, he's like military crest. They're they're based on like 18th century proper military you know medals. They just have a little squirrel. <laughs> <That's>
2: so, yeah, <laughs> and we had so them good.
3: 3D printed which was very funny. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, so that they they were custom made. There's a few little custom made pieces like that. I very much love as well when um, Tyke's little kids were in the scene yes. in the floating market as little yes. street urchins, yes. and with handmade tiny little pirate uniforms for outfits for them, which was you know twigs and and bits of stripped um, stripped uh, fabric like calico to make bullets and. And we, we built this tiny little bird out of like buttons and bits of string and just things they might have found on the street. And uh, one of the little girls is also just wearing a Victorian pillowcase as a dress. So we had it in a collection. Somebody had found this like proper 18th century pillowcase that had a little bit of lace detail. It was so pretty. And I was like, where are we going to put a pillowcase? I can't, I can't use this tiny piece of fabric on anything. And then that came up in the story and I was like, oh, that's it. We're just going to cut a hole on the arms and shove her in a pillowcase. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and chuck on some bullets made out of twigs. And there you have a street urchin.
0: <laughs> a very rich street urchin by the end of the scene.
3: That's right, yeah. They're ballers now. They can go out and start their own fleet. <laughs> yes uh what else
2: There's, uh, yeah just yeah. lots of time well things. the rest All are the for characters. people to find it right mm-hmm. no. yeah you have another one yeah
3: oh i was gonna say like the ann bonnie one was i've revealed that on um on an, and actually Mini driver did too uh when we were given that script um the director said look it's very much that whole scene of them at dinner and the whole episode is based on who's afraid of virginia wolf mm-hmm. and i'd in the film like 10 years ago and i was like i'll just go back and re-watch it so i i sat and watched it and i loved elizabeth taylor's blouse and so i took a little screen grab i took it to my fabric maker uh geniuses screen printers and dyers this whole team of amazing talent and i was like i want to recreate this elizabeth taylor print so she hand painted it and we screen printed onto fabric and so that whole blouse is an 18th century blouse but with a 1960s Elizabeth Taylor print, and then we did a repro of Elizabeth Taylor's necklace from that movie as well, Love which it. is pretty cute. So it's a little nod to who's afraid of Virginia Woolf, but done in a pirate, lesbian, antique dealer, <laughs>
2: sadistic <laughs> mini driver. That's I have to say that that's so overdone. Yes, I have to say <laughs> it, it's been so done before, you know, it's totally done before. I know, you know,
0: yeah. <laughs> at Gypsy, we were talking just before we, we hit record and we had to, in fact, hit record so we would stop talking. Uh, we <laughs> both attended the National Institute of Dramatic Art here in Sydney, NIDA, last century, mm-hmm. and you are now back there uh, teaching as I have been back there teaching. They're good at getting alumni back to teach they are. What, yeah, it's a what, wonderful school. What's that like for you to go back to Fortress Kensington and walk through those doors <laughs> as a now award-winning international um, woman award of, of, of accomplishments?
3: I mean, the first time I went back to teach there, I sort of had a little bit of anxiety and I, I, you know, I, I just was like, oh, God, I feel like a student again. and. it it was overwhelming (laughs) but then when you meet the design students it just uh, I love teaching design and I love the excitement that they have or being able to share you know references that I love I'm like obviously a huge fan of pop culture so I love like feeding off of things they've seen and I share my list of things they've seen and and I just come away just fulfilled going oh that's right what we do for a living is really cool. Uh, and and I've gone on to become dear friends with a lot of my students. Uh, in fact, one this week is with me on my new production. She's doing a secondment with me. She just graduated last week, and so I stay in touch with all of them and have a really, yeah, really good uh, relationship with NIDA and a really huge admiration, and I'm best friends with all my classmates still, which is rare. We all love each other dearly, and we're so supportive of each other's successes.
0: Such and such- so do you get asked now for how do I get into costume design? What should I do? What steps should yeah. I take?
3: Yeah, I do. I do get asked that often. And, look, I was a real go-getter, motivator from a very young age and I would just put myself forward for anything. If I knew there was something happening, I'd be like, do you need someone to make cups of tea? Do I need to sweep a floor? Like how do I get in to come and help you? I remember like writing to Catherine Martin, Baz Lumen's, uh partner, who was an extraordinary designer. And I wrote to her when I was maybe 17. And I just said, dear Catherine, my name's Gypsy. I love costume. You know, I'd love to come and help you out one day. And then years later, I was her assistant for, you know, helping her out. And I just think that sort of, I really admire people who have that uh, motivation and sort of hunger to to get in there and get their hands dirty and work and learn all the trades and uh, and the crafts and and a lot of people often ask me like am i a very good sewer and i'm a terrible sewer mm. if, like if i'm forced to i can do a hem or something <laughs> like that but my stitching is like very frankensteiny <laughs> I, but i have enough training and knowledge to be able to speak to Pattern cutters and 3D builders and and embroiderers and dye. You know, so to have that language and learn all those crafts, I think is like the biggest thing you can do to teach yourself. I've you heard sewing
2: know? isn't actually important. They always say like, so what? Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: that was a good one. <laughs> There have yeah.
1: been some Sarah,
2: not so Sarah, good Sarah, dis- Sarah disagrees. So yeah. yeah, yeah, one one missing a lot. Yeah. yeah. No, I <laughs> it's been I I love getting to chat with you. I think I think it's just really like I, to be honest, I don't think um, there's something about this show again that I think is really resonating with people. And I do feel like, you know, even before the strike ended and we're seeing, um, you know, I think Samba Shute has been he's been releasing some back behind the scenes um, montages. But there is something about this show that feels like even before the actors were able to come out and and really promote the show, there has been this like uplifting, you know, feeling to this to the show and the the people who created it feels like that's like coming from the people who are watching it and fell in love with the show and the message it's, it's telling us about um, what the world can be, even if it's set in you know the 18th century, that is yeah. now clearly resonating from uh, ironically, like the crew, the people who made, who made this thing, I feel like it's oh. like just reverberating back and forth. So uh, it's been so great getting to chat with you.
3: Yeah. Oh, I, that just, that's so wonderful to hear. I love that it's um it's been a really special experience and I and it was so wonderful to be able to share like my thoughts and ideas during the strike because that was a really it is a really it was a really sad time uh for my industry and to be able to like bring a little bit of joy into everybody's feed you, you know and support our wonderful queer community in any way that I can you know yeah. maybe'll bring bring me joy. So (laughs) hopefully I can spread a little bit during these hard times that we share in the world at the moment.
1: Yeah, Yeah, like as hard as it absolutely is to not get to hear from the writers for as long as we did and the actors for as long as we did, it is, you know, nice to be able to remember it takes more than writers and actors like the big names you've heard of to create these shows and these films that we all love. Um, and so to have a little yeah. bit more space to get to hear from people like you, I think, is, you know, kind of a silver lining to the to the storm clouds of the strikes. And yeah,
3: and for me, it was such a treat for me as well. Uh, and, you know, every every time I spoke about it during the the time, it was always with solidarity for for my industry and my my co-workers. So Absolutely. Uh, it was really I was lucky to be able to be able to share some secrets, some pirate secrets. <laughs> mm.
0: Thank you so much for for talking with us and with our listeners. There were so many questions from your fans. We folded a few oh. of them into our questions, but there were probably three times as many more. Oh, were well, there?
3: Uh, I know. Yeah. I, I should get on uh, Twitter and do like an Ask Me Anything. Oh,
2: or people would Reddit. love you that. This community would love Yeah. 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 I'm yes. a little bit do you, um, maybe more Reddit um, than than Twitter. I would suggest um, Reddit. Want, okay, all right. I've only would you like Instagram to give your content?
3: Instagram handle to the listeners? Yes, you are more than welcome to follow me at Gypsy Taylor, and I love seeing all of your fan art and your cosplay costumes. It just oh brings me endless amounts of joy. <laughs> thank you so much. We'll see you oh, for season you for three. Having.
0: Dot dot dot. Question. Nine.
3: Fingers crossed. We're all crossing our fingers. What is it? Hashtag renew as a crew. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes.
3: I've seen it. I've seen it. Sarah, Zed, Grace, it was just lovely talking to you all. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much.
2: Wow. Wow. So fascinating. That was She was lovely. Yeah. Just a tremendous human being uh, and a a, a very good costume designer.
0: Grace, were you surprised when she talked so often about very detailed things like this where would each pirate have sourced the material to make their
2: their outfits? Yeah yeah I was I mean like I I guess like I think the thing I said in the interview which is I feel like when it's not there is when you notice that kind of stuff and when it is there it's almost like super underappreciated how much effort and detail goes in and it's these folks who did reply to us on Twitter for looking um at um you know potentially uh, some of the questions that we were going to ask um who are the ones who who noticed it I'm gonna just shout some folks out I think we had Ivy, Mimsy, uh Inside Sunshine, Xenoclone2 and our flag means Death Banker if miss anybody apologies uh, who sent in some great questions and i feel like yeah many mm-hmm. folks are like looking at it but for me who like i'm just sort of like letting it all wash over me and i'm not particular that's not like really where i my eye is going to to the costume design particularly and so i'm so impressed when like it's almost like i got to appreciate something that i didn't know i was appreciating before um, it's really really impressive
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it's kind of like with so many industries, if you're really good at your job, it looks easy and people don't notice all the little things about it that you're doing that make you so good at your job. But if you're not good at your job, it becomes very noticeable. Uh, It's kind of like the the unsung hero paradox Mm -hmm. of being excellent in your field sometimes, especially Mm -hmm. if you're not the one right on the screen yourself.
0: Well, that's I mean one of the one of the uh, you know there's no no great loss without any gain. One of the things that's come out of these strikes is the unsung heroes are becoming sung because they are stepping forward into what's not normally a position of this, which is promoting the show and talking about the show. So even though she was talking about her own process, it's it's a way of bringing attention to the show that ah that an actor or a director or or on occasion a writer might bring.
2: I thought all the stuff about, because I I was thinking about how this is a show that is about a crew and it's about pirates and there's a pretty traditional way of looking like a pirate. And I thought just like, I think the other thing that I was really impressed by, and you, I think, gave the best example, Sarah, about when they all were in the Navy, uh, uh, costumes, um the naval costumes. The idea that there's uniformity amongst the characters, but then also they stand out individually, which I think is also like such a hard thing to pull off. And she mentioned it almost immediately when she's talking about um uh jeng and, and just the different crews and how then even the way that when Jim became part of Blackbeard's crew, the way that Jim becomes more part of that crew, right? And then once transforms back into the other crew sort of gains their own look. I just thought that was like so fascinating and so interesting. And I thought, I thought that was an incredible interview and I hope our listeners enjoyed it. So Grace,
0: you were in the brig last time Zed and I spoke, we spoke about the finale. Would you care to give your thoughts now on the finale and indeed on the season as a whole?
2: Yeah. I thought it was like so moving and beautiful. That was a lovely finale. I think the thing that I was not expecting to come out of this season is the theme. And it's something that I really, really struggled with and still do struggle with sometimes is the idea of the balance between being who you want to be versus who you think you are supposed to be or who society thinks you should be and trying to find where sometimes those things actually like align. And sometimes they don't align and figuring out if you're kind of okay bucking those societal norms to be happier is like a theme i was not expecting from the show in season two that i think is like such a powerful theme um i love that they used uh the times they are changing at the end the show's like this like typically masculine thing is like piracy um uh ends the the, the show the season ends on this like queer love story right uh and it's just like i don't know just what the show is doing i just think it's like it's such a masterpiece. It's such a, it's so so heartwarming and so good. And it's modern, but also like as a history major, I love that it's like playing with like this historical things. And I I just think it's like, it's basically a perfect show. It's so good. Yeah. I think,
1: I mean, honestly, we've had our critiques of, uh, you know, here and there of specific episodes in particular or like little moments, but you know, I I started like a, a philosophical diatribe on our finale recap. And I think there is so just so much richness to what this show is doing and what it's saying and its place in society and culture, especially right now. Um, that, you know, renew our flag means death, you cowards, like does not begin yes. to cover how much we need this show for the story. Sure. But like for the broader Yes, value of what that story is doing for people, I think, is why it's like so important and so incredible. I was
0: very surprised with—I shouldn't have been—with the Twitter reaction to the death of Izzy Hands. To me, it was narrative perfection
2: that die. Did, did we? Did we see David Jenkins said there is? There's no version of the show that doesn't include Izzy Hands. I know. What does that
1: mean? What does that
2: mean? (laughs) I think we had that conversation (laughs) in our in our group chat, and I said, "Oh, go to David Jones' locker
1: coming back as an octopus face man." Here here we go. Okay.
2: Oh my god, I am so mad that we did do this because in one of the interviews, I saw that Gypsy Taylor had her like dream costume design is to basically do like Guillermo del Toro's, like uh, (gasps) be like a monster in the woods, and she said like. One thing she wants to do is like do something that's like very beast like. So, the idea that like Izzy becomes part octopus feels perfect, anyway. Oh boy, yeah, mm-hmm. if but say I, if he that's was the <laughs> one prediction
1: I got correct, it will be wild. Broken. Broken.
0: See, I, I, there's something about him being dead which is so completely satisfying because we've had so many people almost die, come back like, no one ever dies. Um, Ed doesn't die, Lucius doesn't die and the on occasion rather violent reaction of fans how dare you david jenkins well david jenkins can do whatever he likes to his characters and he is telling you know he he is the god of this of this show and so everything happens under his eye uh but i was very surprised that people were so i mean i thought look we're all sad that he's dead if he is dead because there's no version of the show that doesn't include him I mean, We're he could all... be a
2: ghostly mentor figure for mm. someone, mm. right? Like, there's other ways to have him on the show, even if he's well, dead. And the fact that we... the Gypsy said that the sort of prevailing theme or, or like, you know, through line is, is the Looney Tunes-ness of yes. the show, you know. Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, mm-hmm. we know that ghosts exist in this world because Steed was troubled he had a troublesome ghost uh in the first season who followed him around. So we know ghosts exist. That may be, that may be how he how he comes. But I think it's a testament to the uh I won't say extreme attachment, because I have quite a strong attachment to some of these characters. Uh, that there's a very strong attachment and an almost an ownership by the fans. And I know other fans feel they own other characters. But we're just talking about this show. And the ownership of the show and the world and the crew and particular characters by the fans, I think, is is incredible. And it's such a testament to the timeliness and brilliance of this story and this world building and then when we hear the Gypsy's contribution to the world building and the other behind-the-scenes uh, creative people, not to mention the technical people as well. It's just it's very heartwarming because I know some shows that would say, oh, if I'd known you were going to shave Jim's head, I would have put a marvellous earring. But the thing is they're all working together so the synergy yeah. goes backwards and forwards.
2: Well, I think one of the interesting things about the, the – up- people being upset about Izzy is it, it is it is a true testament to this show that we were if you look at Izzy from the first time we meet Izzy the fact that then we would be brutally upset that he is dead is is really wild and I think a thing that the show you know this idea that he was a bit of a an uh an antagonist in season one I feel like this show just it anyway it's so good they have such good character development for for Izzy but yeah. So is that your overall view? It's so good. It was so good. It's per- I said perfect earlier. So, and I think that even the big bucks. that's right. And I think th- I think that uh, even your t- right. We did critique uh, some of the show. It takes a long time for Blackbeard to show up in season one. Uh, I know uh, Sarah, you didn't love the uh, Anne Bonnie uh, episode. I no. think that for me, like the stuff that they're doing, like you know. I give them basically bonus credit to get them up to a hundred percent because of like the themes that the show is doing. And I don't mean that in a way I'm like trying to like, you know, uh, figure out a way to, you know, fudge the math to get them at a hundred percent. I just think the show is so important that even when it's like not hitting, um, you know, a hundred percent, it's, it's still like a perfect show. The to bar be television. is so high. Yeah. Yes. It, you know, yeah, it's absolutely. impossible
1: to not fall a little bit below it sometimes. And, you know, the quote unquote worst pieces of Our Flag Means Death are still better than basically every other TV show. That's
0: I right. completely agree. And the thing is, next time I watch the season, which will be fairly soon, I will be looking at Anne Bonnie's blouse with a yes. new eye. Mm, yes.
2: yeah. So it was a lovely interview with with Gypsy Taylor. She's so lovely. It's just a mm-hmm. uh, incredible
0: yeah. yeah thank you uh, for all the questions i'm sorry if we missed your question but gypsy has promised to do and ask me anything yeah which i believe the kids <laughs> call cool an ama on insta so go and follow her there and you may be able to catch that she she has a lot she had a lot more to say as did we but you know times winged chariot flew on Consider becoming a Post Show Recaps patron. Get early access to podcasts as well as Patreon-exclusive podcasts. You can sign up at patreon.com slash postshowrecaps or postshowrecaps.com slash Patreon.
2: And any level gets you access to the Discord. Merch is available at higher levels. Unfortunately, that merch
1: does not include Spanish Jackie's t-shirts. Uh, I want it. So far. What a money spinner. Why does that not exist yet? Put it out there. And totes apparently. I would buy
2: a Spanish Jackie tote. 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but if yeah. you would like Posha Recaps merch, you can head to the store at PoshaRecaps.com slash store where you can get Posha Recaps t-shirts, mugs, uh, no, no mermaid tails, unfortunately.
0: No, no. Yeah. no. I must have got that wrong. Grace, what do you have going on and where can the people find you?
2: Oh, as things come to an end, like the morning show and our flag means death uh, and uh, the fall of Rome new things begin uh fargo don't you know it's coming back so uh mike bloom latonya starks and i'll be chatting about that i'm chatting yellowstone the crown returns this week sarah uh shannon Gus, and i'll be chatting about that a uh, full spoiler recaps jess and i talk about a different show every week this week we will be chatting about uh scott pilgrim takes off so the new netflix uh, series so yeah lots going on i'm on social media at high from grace what about you zed
1: All I got going on currently is covering uh, Final Fantasy IX with Adam for the Final Fantasy podcast here on Post Show Recaps. And I was this past week the last, best, and final guest on the Strike Up the Conversation podcast with Dr. Amanda uh, for our last, best, and final podcast covering the now ended SAG AFTRA and WGA strikes. Um, A really great conversation. Uh, talking about kind of the wider implications for the industry and also for the American labor force. Uh, I'm really proud of it. And I'm really grateful for Amanda's work on the series. So I highly, highly recommend you check that out at pushrecaps.com slash strike up pod. I think you'll find it. Search strike up. You'll find it. And what about you, Sarah?
0: Well, people can follow me at Sarah Carradine on all the things if that's something they'd like to do. Uh, here on Post Show Recaps, I'm covering The Buccaneers with Geneva Guadalupe, A Murder at the End of the World with Latonia Starks, and coming up, The Artful Dodger with Brooklyn said. Heard of them? Oops. Every Tuesday, <laughs> every Tuesday on RHAP Reality TV Rehab Ups, Murray Forth and I will bring you a true crime review on our show, Crime Scene. That's S-E-E-N. So enormous thanks to Gypsy Taylor for joining us. Thanks to all of you who sent in questions and to the team at Post Show Recaps Behind the Scenes. For now, we are waiting for Season 3 and signing off with an X.
2: Grace Leader, Brooklyn Zed,
0: And Sarah Carradine. We wish you fair and following wins.